Welcome to Pillar and Ground Podcast. I'm Will Nettleton, pastor of outreach here at LMPC, and I'm excited to be your guest host for this Pillar and Ground Connections episode. Uh, In our Connections episodes, we're seeking to increase our connection to one another as we stand together in community and mission. And today on the podcast, we are delighted to have Tim and Melissa Leon from The Way Church out in L.A.? Is, I mean, is it more specialized than L.A.? Should we say something more no, than that? Yeah, it'd be Northeast L.A. Northeast and L.A.? The Way is sounds like a 1970s cult. <laughs> we own that. Welcome to our 1970s cult leader podcast. I think, think Brian will be excited to know that we got that going. Uh, well, we are excited to have Tim and Melissa here because they have been longtime partners of LMPCs. And just for our people to know, um, we often talk, at least within our the way we do our missions, giving and prayer, uh, a distinction between home and world missions. We have our kind of global missions side, and then we have our home mission side that is um, both the mountain, the city, and then North America as well. And you guys in your role as church planters are actually a part of a strategic emphasis that we have. So we have a strategic emphasis on church planting. We plant churches in our presbytery, Tennessee Valley Presbytery, but we also in God's providence have just gotten connected to churches in Los Angeles. And so we, for whatever reason, that's been the area that God's given us to partner with in prayer and uh, in support. And so we are really excited to have you guys with us. Um, I'm just going to let y'all introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about uh, your connection to Chattanooga and to LMPC. So, Tim, let me just start with you and uh, let you jump in and introduce yourself. Yeah, Tim Lian. I'm here with my wife, Melissa, and she'll probably tell you about our kids. Uh, <laughs> she grew up from Chattanooga. She'll tell you about that. Uh, but I grew up in Southern California, uh, one of seven kids. My dad uh, worked for a guy that might be familiar to some, uh, Chuck Swindoll from Insight for Living. Oh, wow. So our background, my background was kind of big, broad American evangelicalism. But I didn't find Jesus until I went to a small college, pretty close to you all, Bryan College up in Dayton, Tennessee, uh, which I have since repented of. (laughs) We'll have everybody, all the the Covenant College folks close their ears for that part of the podcast. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm Melissa. I grew up in Chattanooga and um, spent a lot of time on Lookout Mountain. My great-grandparents built a log cabin at the other end near Collin Canyon. So grew up visiting there. And then my husband and I were married there twenty over 23 years ago and met him at Bryan College. And um, yeah, so we like to come back and visit. This is We've been away for three years because of pandemic stuff, but we're really glad to be back it's in this so area. Green. Yeah, it's so very green. This way. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how did y'all get to L.A.? How did God call you uh, out to L.A.? Yeah, we were ministering in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, West Alabama, and we had been there 10 years. And uh, really, church planting began at really a crisis point, I think, for a church and as a couple. And we realized that most of our church, most of our pursuits in ministry were not city-centric. We were really only touching a very niche, small portion of our city, maybe the top 1% of our city. And so uh, we were wondering, like, what do we do? What do we do to know, be connected to, serve uh, that unserved portion of the city? And that that really was an impetus to... Um, Yes, read a lot of Tim Keller. But apart from that, uh, really imagine what would it be like to be in a place where we knew people that were bona fide, grade A, 100% non believers. 
uh, our lives were consumed with uh, the believing community, which is a really good thing. It's a the covenant community is a beautiful thing, uh, but we realized that we were also uh, ignoring a lot of that great commission. So that in that excitement, we went to church planning assessment. Uh, they did a 360 around us as they as they do, and uh, we felt we were not qualified. Um, and yet they came back and they said, oh, you are more than qualified to do church planning because I think we had a pulse. So mm. <laughs> <laughs> they needed bodies. Yeah, yeah they yeah, needed yeah. bodies. They just great. needed bodies. But she might have even a different perspective of it as well. Yeah, Melissa, I'd love to hear your your perspective on that process. Of You're in Tuscaloosa going through church planners assessment, the the call out to L.A. What was that? What was that like on your end? Uh, five years prior to that, we had been asked to go to RUF in mm. Los Angeles. And I was like, no, no way. Mm. I'm not moving to California. I mean, it was very resistant. But I think over that five-year period, God, I don't know, worked in my heart, softened it, and gave me a desire to um, be missional and um, go to a place that just to have to, having to have faith and trust, like, this is so unknown. Um, but, yeah, when we went through assessment and then um, – trying to decide it, God made it really clear that church planning was, um, part of our giftings, just hospitality. And so it just opened up a, just an amazing new world of ministry. We'd never really experienced before. So yeah, it was very challenging. I had to give it over to God many, many times because um, we have four kids. So thinking about moving mm. our four kids to a totally new place and, um, not knowing where we're going to live and not knowing how we're going to how we're going to live. It's very expensive. <laughs> do, you, do you remember the time when you called me? Uh, we, were, we were wrestling about going to California. And uh, a lot of what we had built was building security for our family. So mm -hmm. buying a home, doing a lot of things. Um, and yet you called me and you said, Tim, owning a home is not a right under Jesus. <laughs> that was yeah, a yeah, it was definitely like, wait, this isn't something we're owed. Right. You know, it's a privilege. It's yeah. not a bad thing. But we realized... Yeah, that's not the ultimate pursuit in our lives is to be secure and um, even near family. I mean, that was mm. something we're giving up, moving. My family's here. And so, um, but it was it was exciting. Like, I wouldn't trade it now for anything. I mean, our kids learned a lot about Jesus and about uh, people, different cultures, different things that we could never have given them ourselves mm. or bought for them. Or So, I mean, they had to learn that. And it was challenging. I mean, moving across the country yeah. and... But there have been so many amazing um, things we've learned together in that process that we could not have come up with on our own. Yeah, I, I'm hearing y'all talk a little bit about just, I mean, that's a piece of counting the cost uh, of accepting that call to go out there. And I think for, for our people, when we hear like, oh, you moved from the South and you went to California and you gave up, you know, you gave up that and some other things. And they think about, you know, kind of the caricature perhaps of what it's like to go live among the pagans in California. What, what are you do? What's it been like? I would love to hear y'all talk about maybe some of those challenges if those exist, but also like the positive, what's it been like to take, to move from Tuscaloosa and take your four kids and go to California? I mean, we're, yeah, just yeah, yeah. jump in wherever. So, so I think, in two areas, and you, you need to jump in here, is uh, I think our kids did see the brokenness of the world in mm. a different, stark way. Mm. Uh, you can't disguise it as much. When we moved into mid-city L.A., uh, we moved in and we met um, uh, 
an adult film producer, an escort who lived above us. Hmm. And that, that changes the equation of, <laughs> uh, of who your kids uh, right. know and pray for. Uh, but on the other side of that as well is uh, the deep life and renewal in those broken places that to, to experience it firsthand and see it, uh, I think was revitalizing for our own faith. Um, I think a lot of times um, we maybe we had grown and we believed the gospel in a very hypothetical sense. Uh, but uh, here's the phrase we use. We said we almost needed to see if the gospel worked in the wild. Mm. And uh, it does. Mm. And I, I think that was huge for our own faith, but for our kids too, just to see um, people you pray for come to know Jesus. And, and that's, that's amazing. I mean, it's, it feels like a miracle every time. Like I'm surprised. <laughs> What's funny is I'm surprised every time it happens. Like, wait, what, what just happened? And yet we have this history of seeing it happen, yet it's new every single time. I think it's impossible. Yeah. And then it happens. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, it's crazy. You think about Jesus in John 3 talking to Nicodemus about being born again. And he's like, how's that going to work? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, I have the same thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. It's like so, our dementia or Alzheimer's when it comes yeah. to the gospel. Yeah. What what year did y'all move out to L.A.? 2014. Okay, 2014. Yeah. So, describe for us, I mean, that first, I mean, just you get there, you're on the ground, you move into your place, you're planting a church. Like, what was that first year like for y'all? In many ways, so we've talked about this, is in many ways it was refreshing. It was a refreshing year because I had been a, a head pastor for 10 years. There were a lot of demands. And so that first year, uh, I was working in the offices of our mother church, Pacific Crossroads, mm -hmm. and they gave me um, minor responsibilities. And they would send me home at the end of the day. And I thought, it felt like I was being lazy. Uh, <laughs> it, it felt that such a radical shift of responsibility. But we used that year to do something, even as a family. I'm from SoCal, but um, I was seeing the city in a completely different way than I had left 20 years before. Is um, First of all, I was looking at it through the lens of the gospel, but I... I had not sought out to see the beauty of the city. And so our family, almost weekly, if not uh, twice a week, we would go see um, places in the city. Some of them would be random, weird, quirky spots. Some of them, of course, little little bigger landmarks. But just to learn the city and then start to learn um, uh, the, the brokenness and the beauty and the people of the city in, in very uh, different capacities. I mean, you've probably heard this is... Um, you know, LA is 135 cities mm. really looking for something that's uniting, looking for a city really. Mm. So we, that it was, it was just a good refreshing time, just discovering and learning and seeing something that we'd never seen before. Yeah. That's really good. Melissa, what would you say just that first year? I would say, I mean, definitely challenging. Our youngest was one. Our oldest was 12. 10. I don't know. <laughs> Lost One of those. Um, and so, and I was homeschooling that year because and we'd never done that before because we knew we'd be moving again, which was also challenging. We knew yeah. we'd be moving into where we're going to plant. But, um, so it had many, many challenges, but it also, we were like, no, we want to explore this new place and love it. And, um, we all got scooters. We went all over the city, you know, and, um, we literally moved from this house in Tuscaloosa that had this huge wooded backyard. Our son would just explore to living behind a grocery store. Hmm. We literally, the wall of our driveway was a grocery <laughs> store. Um, but I mean, we found a lot of 
joy in it. I mean, a lot yeah. of hard times, you know, um, but then, um, but we saw God like just, just even in our relationships with our neighbors, with our landlord was just gracious. And mm. we got this amazing place that he should have given to someone else and he gave mm. to, he let us rent. So just so many little pieces came together that we could not have planned on our own. Right. And, um, so definitely challenging, but definitely a way to just, um, explore and, and I love to travel. So it's just yeah. felt like you're in a different, I mean, we live right next to little, little Ethiopia. Okay. It's a little community. And so we tried that food and we tried this food, you know, we just, we tried to experience it. And yeah. I think our kids learned a lot from that, especially that first year. Um, and then we moved to South Pasadena where we still live hmm. and that's where we really feel at home in our community and, um, our neighbors and, I think one of the most surprising things to me about LA um, was where we lived. Schools people had communities through mm. school, churches, um, organizations, sports, whatever. But in LA, um, people are hungry for community mm. because they often don't live near family. Um, they're not involved with the church. They don't have some kind of um, common. Yeah, community people around them. So mm. when we moved there, we invited all of our neighbors in this duplex t- for barbecue, and everybody came. They're like, let's do it again next week. <laughs> and then we moved to South Pasadena. We had a barbecue, you know, on our patio, and everybody showed up. It's we thought, amazing. oh, maybe a few people come. And then we started doing weekly potlucks yeah. where we all just bring stuff and s- on our driveway, and um, people are hungry, hungry for community. Yeah. And they, it's like they want Jesus' community. They just don't know it yet. They don't know that. Yeah. We, they want a community without the Jesus calories. We, yeah. Without all, with all the extra on it. We were talking about this a little bit at lunch today. You were talking about how, you know, coming from a Southern context, you took hospitality and community sort of for granted. It's almost overwhelming, yeah. like the number of ways that we have to like get together with other people to the point where like somebody can invite you for dinner and it's kind of like, oh, are we going to? Do we want to do like you kind of got to triage your right. <laughs> your appointments and out there there really seems to be the way you are describing it a group of people who who don't have that and who are longing for that right and it's presented a significant opportunity for y'all as far as like just you know talking to people and befriending them and you know helping introduce them to Jesus yeah I mean, it's, the corollary would be someone who grew up in the church is they have no idea how many good things they have around them yeah so good. coming from Southern California and coming into uh, a believing community the PCA is uh, a lot of that was new to me and uh, the intensity of community I mean that in the sweetest of ways of, of people who care and are caring and are calling you to care for other people uh, that, that was that was brand new to me when I moved to the south so uh, there is a little bit of that exportation I think of um, maybe things that are highly assumed yeah and enjoyed yeah yeah that's awesome well we we've talked a little bit about you know church planting and seeing people come to know Jesus. Part of the reason we love being a part of church plants is just a lot of Tim Keller's stuff on this is the way many people come to church plants are so much more effective at evangelism and seeing people come to know Jesus because they're often more willing to, to, tr- to see something new or, or people who are a part of a church plant are a little more uh, motivated to, you know, talk to their neighbors and say, Hey, come check it out. So I'd love to just hear like, what was that like for y'all starting in 2014? Like how have you seen God at work in people's lives, maybe some stories of folks coming to coming to faith. Um, what's that looked like for y'all? Yeah, I would say um, just with our neighbors, I prayed for like close friendships, and that's definitely developed. Like we're we're very very close, um, and they uh, we support each other. 
We watch each other's kids all the time. We're just like revolving doors, open, open door policy is what we say. Um, but we've had some very meaningful conversations, but that has come with a lot of time mm. spent together, a lot of happy hours, a lot of <laughs> barbecues, a lot of walks to school together. And so, um, but out of that, as we're go- all going through different things, we're supportive of each other. And like just telling my neighbor I'm praying for them or sending them a, a, a verse of encouragement, one of my neighbors said, I don't know anything from the Bible. Hmm. But that um, really encouraged me. Like she, her, she went through the death of her father and she said, I've never heard anything like that before. So mm. it's, it's, um, it's walking through life with someone who may never come to your church and they've, they've come on special occasions and they know it's open for them to come. But um, it's walking through just the day to day stuff. And then when sometimes when there is a crisis and they're like, I didn't, I've never had anyone pray for me before. I don't, this is so different and unusual and unique and, but they're drawn to it. Yeah. So I think it's a, it's a long process, but I have no doubt they'll know Jesus hmm. or they may know him, not know it yet. Yeah. <laughs> so you yeah. see like hints of it and, but I'm like, I have faith that they will eventually, it will be real to them, even though they're just now discovering it for themselves. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a, quick most of them are not like quick conversion stories that happen and someone is in church then it's like it's someone who would they feeling they're looking for a feeling of belonging before they believe Mm. and that's kind of what we're we are trying to cultivate is that sense of belonging and then trusting that jesus will give the belief yeah 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 and you do have windows you do have windows when you see something miraculous like i talked before uh one of my favorite ones to say is uh talking about uh jason and men and uh they had he was in the adult uh film industry as a producer and his living girlfriend was an actress uh, of sorts and uh so but she ran into a lot of medical problems and uh so all of their friend group uh kind of bailed on them because it was persistent long-term uh medical problems and uh he had called me up and he said, would you come visit me at the UCLA medical center? And I think it was on a Sunday and, uh, you know, as always we're busy, right? <laughs> busy doing something. And, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later Melissa said, well, are you going to go visit him? And I said, well, I don't know. And she goes, why are we even here? <laughs> so, um, she dropped me off, but, uh, going up there, I had to put on this hazmat suit on and cause a lot of medical grossness. And, um, I, I prayed for, I prayed for them. And afterwards it, this just has always stuck with me. Um, he said, if I had known Jesus was like this, I would have uh, considered him earlier. Hmm. And, uh, so it's just a, an hmm. introduction and a meeting of, um, what people think compared to who he actually hmm. is. And, uh, fast forward, um, uh, you know, even, uh, they always wanted to pray hmm. and even praying like on their bed, holding hmm. hands, hmm. especially when her health got bad. Hmm. That's really sweet. That's really hmm. beautiful. Um, you're going to hear a lot, a reoccurrent theme when you hear us talk is, prayer so one of the biggest things is when tragedy hits even our neighbors just difficult painful times Mm -hmm. could be with their son daughter uh, family tragedy is uh just being there and praying and taking to the throne room Mm -hmm. we're literally taking them in 
They, they are not yet children. And yet we're saying you get to be here because of us, which mm. is kind of a mediatorial thing. Mm. You know, we're, we're play acting at who Jesus is yeah. and mimicking that work. Yeah. Um, and yet they get heard because Jesus listens to his people. So it's kind of sweet to say, Hey, I, I'm going to introduce you to the, <laughs> to mm-hmm. the guy who's your dad and you don't know it mm. yet. Um, and it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's, beautiful it's really amazing to hear. Like, the, I mean, just the way that people are longing for this for this story, and they don't know that they don't know. Yeah. It. You know, they're living a in a different. Yeah. I, I was reading this book called uh, "Telling a Better Story" by Joshua Chatrow, and he, I, I can't remember the subtitle of it, but it's something about uh, about sharing the gospel in a skeptical age. But he talks a lot about how so much of what we're trying to do with our unbelieving neighbors is help them realize that they are living in a story that doesn't have the resources to give them what they're looking for. Yeah. And Christianity actually has the resources for what they're looking for in moments of crisis and moments of great pain and grief and suffering. Uh, and just in, in the hunt for significance and meaning and all of us want to feel like we have dignity and value. And so anyway, he just does a really good job of saying, we're trying to help our neighbors see like, Hey, there's a, there's a better story. There's a better story that you can live. And I don't know. It sounds like that's what you guys are doing. And I do think um, those years of trust that building that you were talking about, Melissa, is we've seen it even in a, a neighbor, a neighbor family that they're very upfront about being atheists, not believing in God. Uh, and yet through um, years of loving their kids, their kids running through their house, our kids running through their house, uh, they we had this conversation once when they were talking about uh, their kids having questions about God and they immediately told their kids, they said, well, you can talk to Tim and Melissa about that. Cause we, we can't answer that, <laughs> but there's a sweetness there is that they trusted us to a degree where they would gladly want us to talk to their kid about something that they personally did not hold. Mm. And, uh, that was really moving to us, uh, and moving to, to see, uh, just recently, we don't know if we'll be able to stay in the house that we're in just due to some landlord problems and possibly being evicted in the next 60 days. <laughs> Which <laughs> that would be a prayer request for yeah, our people. Small yes. prayer request. Yeah. But, uh, just to see our neighbor's response was personally moving to us. Mm. Like, uh, sometimes we don't know the advantage of how we're perceived. I think all of us in our lives and yet our entire friend group there on our street really kind of troubled about it and saying, this can't happen. This can't happen. And what can we do? Um, even, even them volunteering to say, well, we'll just all buy your house, um, <laughs> which, which, which was really moving to Melissa because it showed that these were relationships of significance. They weren't cheap or superficial. Yeah. For the meaningful for them. Like yeah. That they're, that they're, yeah. 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 So I would love to hear, I know, you know, we talked some about, obviously, y'all have a heart for church planting. You've planted a church. But even at lunch today, you were talking about how y'all didn't just want to plant a church. You wanted to plant a presbytery. You wanted to see yeah. a, a network of churches throughout um, L.A. So talk about that a little bit. What, I mean, the vision God's given you and the other pastors out there and what y'all see God doing in the coming years. Right. I, I think that's one of the most subversive, controversial things I've heard uh, in my M&A training, <laughs> my church planning for M&A, they've done such a great job. And that, and that controversial uh, it, 
statement is we are not just planting churches, but presbyteries, mm. um, connections that will live way longer than, um, me or even a local organic brand or logo. I always call a, a unique expression, local expression of a church, like its logo. Yeah. And, uh, just to see that, um, no church logo has ever survived church history. <laughs> and yet Jesus's church mm. is a juggernaut. And just to see that vision for church planning, I think that's one of the most compelling things Melissa and I felt when we were first starting church planning is we said, we, we actually, we think this is such a huge idea. All we want to do is be a cog in that huge machine. Like mm. if, if Jesus, if you'll let us just be a part of it, like that's cool. Mm. Um, so I think that that's, that's huge to see that starting to come to fruition because I think it was an ideal. It was theoretical when we first uh, planted, but now to see um, these church plants begin the discussions and already entering it. Oh, we're about to plant a church. Uh, that's, that's the vision we signed up for, not just our specific church plant. Mm. And that's exciting. Anything that you would love for like the folks of, of Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church who actually listen to these, these podcasts with a lot of faithfulness. They love getting to hear from our partners and folks we supported and just anything you would love f- for them to know about your church or um, your experience with us. So, so my, my leaders, they had one, they said, Tim, you have one job when you go out there uh, and they said, you've got to show gratitude, uh, but, but it can't be um, a polite gratitude. Hmm. It, it has to be pretty heartfelt. Mm. And so in, in my preaching and teaching, I, I've tried to communicate to them that there's a group of people all throughout the Southeast and Lookout Mountain is a significant portion of why we exist. Uh, and I say, you may never meet these people this side of heaven. You'll meet them, shake mm-hmm. their hand in heaven, but uh, they, they wanted you to know Jesus when we're, because we do have a lot of young believers and, and that's powerful, uh, for our church to, it's humbling. It's humbling to say, Oh, we exist. I know Jesus because someone else who doesn't know me, um, wanted to see it happen. And, uh, that's not just affecting like a handful of people, like a dozen people. Mm -hmm. Um, already the math, is working out to where uh, what Lookout Mountain has done is going to lead to hundreds, if not thousands, of people who now know Jesus because because you said, no, this matters. This matters in the kingdom. So just there's deep, deep gratitude on our end for it. Mm. Y'all, thank y'all for joining us and being with us and coming back to visit. It is a gift to us to get to hear these stories and hear how God's at work and I hope you know from our end of things just what a gift it is to um, to have been praying for these works and to still be partnering with some of the work that's going on in LA so we're very very grateful for y'all thanks for coming thanks a Thank bunch you. and I, did, I wasn't able to tell a dad joke but yeah. we'll do it next you time you can do it you can get in right here this no, is your shot I, I think I think it was just to be continued we'll to do be it continued. next okay we'll have to have we'll have to have part two uh, of y'all on the Pillar of Ground podcast excellent thank you thanks and thank y'all for joining us for another episode of Pillar and Ground we hope to see you again soon